great. You can beat this. It's all a matter of willpower. Test. Something small. Red. Red. All right. Now focus. The color of this pen is. <laughs> the color of this pen is red. The color of the pen that I hold in my hand is royal blue. One lie, and I can't say it. Liar, liar imagined an attorney who could only tell the truth for an entire day. In this scene, he's attempting to use all his willpower to simply lie about the color of a pen. This 1997 Jim Carrey film makes us wonder, what if marketers had to do the same? Nick Glimsdahl, host of Press One for Nick and director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS, thinks they would tell a very different story. This week, he joins me on Next in Q and we discuss the state of customer service today, how organizational measures get in the way of being customer focused, why customer sentiment is degrading despite constant feedback, how to ask better questions, a strategy for personal improvement borrowed from the contact center, the best and worst use cases for AI and contact centers, why technology needs to match your mission, vision, and values, and the most impactful interview Nick ever conducted. Let's get to it. Welcome to Next in Q, the podcast for contact center and customer experience professionals. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy Two Vision. Eliminate blind spots and see right through every conversation with Happy Two Vision. Learn more at HAPPITU.com. Now, here's your host, Rob Dwyer. Thank you for joining another episode of Next in Q. I'm Rob Dwyer, and today I've got man who runs his own fantastic podcast, Nick Glimsdahl from Press One for Nick, which is just one of the greatest titles of a podcast focused on CX that I can think of. Nick, thanks for joining. How are you? I am doing well. However, somebody said to me at a conference, you know, you should really change your name to Say One for Nick. And I was like, well... I appreciate that. I'm going to keep it up press one for now because it's working. Yeah, I think it's too late to change the name of the <laughs> podcast. I'm just going to throw that out there. I understand done. things can evolve and change. I think it's too late. It's in concrete. It's done. Yeah. You are a customer experience, customer service guy. I want to talk to you about 
the state of customer service today. So when you look at the landscape, like give me the quick 30,000 foot view of where we are with customer service today. So I feel like customer service means so many things to so many people. And I feel like there is these big buzzwords about customer service and there's this awesome, crazy technology about automation and chat GPT and how it's going to take over everybody's business. And there's a lot of whiz bang technology that is getting people excited and maybe creating a lot of buzz. But I feel like in customer service in general, you really need to just get back to the basics, understand where the foundation are is, where are the cracks and how to address those first. Um, it's not necessarily the technology that's going to solve the problem. It's understanding the outcome first and then working backwards toward the technology. And I feel like more and more organizations are focusing on the opposite and they need to flip that paradigm and truly understand what that consumer's perspective is, where is the employee's experience and where, how can you find ways to drive efficiencies for them and then focus on what's the right technology to solve for that. So I think it's exciting to be in customer service today because there's still a plethora of opportunity, but I don't think it's changed in the way that customers still need us more than ever. It's just on different channels and it's just in different ways. And so that's probably my answer is, is a big exhale, but it's also, it's super exciting to be in here because I think there's so much need still in the, in the industry itself. Yeah. You and I both come from a very similar perspective in that we, we work for technology providers and yet we both firmly believe that technology isn't the answer. It may fit into the answer. It may help you achieve something great, but it's not the answer. It's the people and how they interact with your customers. That's where it all starts. And I think we forget that sometimes because of the shiny new thing that's out there. So how did we get here? I mean, technology has been around and part of customer service for at least as long as I can remember, right? I mean, as long as there has been customer service by phone, and I don't know exactly how long that's been, but it's been a hot minute. How did we get to a point where we seem to be forgetting some of the fundamentals? I think as an organization, it all depends on what you're measured on. Mm. As an organization, sometimes they're measured on a, a metric that doesn't actually focus on the customer. And if that is the case, then they're going to measure and they're going to focus on what doesn't matter instead of what does. And if you are trying to chase that efficiency, then you're not actually going to focus on the customer. If you can do efficiency and you can do focus on the customer experience, then it's going to be a win-win. 
but I feel like you're going to get there in, in a way that's going to continue to add ways to add, to add friction. And there's a, there's way too much noise out there and there's not enough clarity of what truth is both on the customer side and on the technology side. And so I went, I just came back from a really big conference that happened to be in Vegas where there was 4,000 people there and it was a good event, but everybody was actually selling their product. They weren't actually telling the story of here's the issue that the industry has as a whole. Here's what we're going to do about it. Here's how we're going to guide the customer to where they need to go. And here's the steps that we're going to take. Or when it comes to technology, how do you guide that company to get to understand where they're at today? What really good questions can we help identify that they can know what they know? Because most organizations, they come to a technology and they say, here's what I, my personal understanding of this, here's my perspective of this issue and how I can solve it with this technology. Instead of saying, here's a, here's a checklist of things that you should be talking about and questions you should be asking these manufacturers so that they can't hide behind their marketeering mm-hmm. in saying, we have the best in business, check out our magic quadrant. Our partnership is amazing. Our value-added resellers are the best. Our support's great. Check out our uptime. But if you look up behind that, the, the, the curtain a little bit, you notice that it's, it's pretty messy and mm-hmm. there's not, they're not telling the whole truth. And if they're held up in court, they would tell a different story because you have <laughs> to tell the whole truth, not just a portion of the truth. Uh, but we don't have that when we get presented to a technology. And so it's good to have organizations like yours and organizations like mine, where we hopefully are telling the whole truth, even though it may be a detriment to that ultimate sale, but it's what's best for Mm -hmm. the customer. Yeah. And I think sometimes people think they have a particular problem and that the reality is that's not the problem they need to solve for. There's something else that they need to solve for. It may be lower hanging fruit, or it might be way more complex. And they think, oh, this tool will solve the problem, but it won't because the problem is way more complex than what that tool can possibly address. And you really need to look at something else or change some, some much more fundamental things that are going on in, in your organization. So you just went to this conference CCW for those that are not familiar with what you're talking about. It's one of the largest industry conferences. There's thousands of providers with all of these different things. The measurement may be a cause of of going about things the, the wrong way. But aren't consumers, like the, the consumer sentiment seems to be worse and worse every year. How is it that we're missing 
out on providing great experiences when consumers are telling us your experience sucks all the time. Like that happens all the time. The easiest answer is that they're not listening. Mm. And there's definitely plenty of listening posts that you can do inside the contact center. And it's truly understanding the uh, customer journey. It's as simple as walking in the customer shoes per se, where you're interacting with your organization on the channels that you have available. It is looking at customer sentiment and uh, identifying what's working. It's whatever you're trying to measure, if it's CSAT or NPS or uh, customer effort, fill in the blank, and then actually doing something with that. Is there, the contact center has a, an abundant of information. It's really dependent on what you're going to do about it. And if you have all this information and you kind of keep it hostage, and I call it the Heisman Award, right? You you have this all this, this goodies of information. You keep it at arm's distance, and you're like, "That's great and all. I'm not lifting my my leg. I might fall over." But and you lift that leg up, and you give them the Heisman. But you're keeping all of these other departments at at arm's distance when they're all seeking the same thing. How do we either get more customers, retain more customers, and um, or or you know like. And you can do it through the data. You can do it by digging and uncovering what's working, what's not working. Why am I losing a customer? Well, it looks like when they were last on this interaction that they were frustrated because we didn't actually follow up or we didn't pay out on this warranty or like whatever XYZ is. And it's so easy to get stuck in the minutia of work and so hard to actually ask the questions that are not being asked to get the answers that nobody else is getting. And um, we talked about this real quick, right, right offline is, is we, it's important to ask better questions. And if you ask these fluff level one questions, then you're going to get fluff level one answers. And I think organizations need to need to do better at asking better questions to hopefully identifying and receiving better answers. I mean, if I'm, if I'm running an organization at whatever level, right, whether I'm a CEO, an executive, a director, maybe I'm just a manager, how do I know what questions to ask? How do I know my questions are not necessarily the right questions to get the answers that I need? So I would start by what answers do you need? I wouldn't ask, I wouldn't say, what questions do you have? I would ask, what questions, what answers do you need? What business objectives are you trying to solve for? And how have you collaborated with that internally across peers and across leaders in your in your organization? And then bounce those ideas once you receive what they're trying to accomplish as well. Then you bounce them by other industry leaders that are not in your space or people that are outside your industry and say, Here's what I'm trying to accomplish. What, what would you do in this situation? Because it's so much easier to learn from other people's failures instead of failing and then learning from other people's failures. Um, I would rather learn from others than have others learn from me when hopefully I fail less in this life by learning from other people's failures. And if I can ask better questions because I'm asking people like Rob, 
I'm in this situation, what would you do? Or what question should I, should I be asking? I think for one, the more questions you ask, the more people you talk to, and the better you actually listen, the better questions you're going to ask. Mm -hmm. And as, as a podcast host, uh, you know this, that the more questions you're asking and the more times you're actually just sitting there and listening, active listening, and you go back and listen to an episode and you're like, you know what, I could have done that better or I could have asked that question better. So now I'm going to do that here in the future. I think every single organization can do that. Not everybody like a podcast host can listen to tape, but if you think of sports, division one athletes, every single day they're getting recorded at every step that they, if a football player is playing on the field in practice or in a games, he's getting game tape and he's trying to figure out what to do and what step to do and when to, when to deke or juke or spin or turn or sprint to make themselves better in that exact moment. So when they come to that moment again, they're going to know exactly what to do because they have failed in the past. Hmm. What if we just recorded everything so that we could go back? Because I don't think that, to your point, uh, you and I are regularly recording podcasts. And as much as it may pain us, we listen to those podcasts and or watch those podcasts again, probably in the course of editing. But I don't know that people do that when they have meetings with peers or colleagues. Do you think there's a benefit to number one, recording those, and then number two, setting aside time to go back to review those recordings and look at how did I perform during that? What questions did I ask? Yeah, I, I definitely, I mean, you think of going back to the contact center is if all interactions are being recorded, you have the opportunity to go back and listen to inter any interaction. Hopefully there's a QA or QM person that's helping the organization um, and, and listening or to or paying attention to the inter interactions. But as somebody who's on Zoom calls all day, I, I would highly encourage it. For one, it's it's important because you will learn about and, and improve. But if I go back and listen to my podcast episodes, the first 10 or 15, I highly recommend nobody goes back and listens to any of my top 15, <laughs> 20 episodes, because there was a ton of ums and ahs and you knows and the questions sucked. And I could have done a better job. And frankly, I was embarrassed kind of going back, but how long was I talking like that? How long was I asking superficial questions until I actually got really uncomfortable and looked myself in the, in the mirror, actually the zoom mirror and said, you know what, I'm going to make a change and this is going to be uncomfortable for, for a little bit, but if I can make incremental changes, I'm going to make a big difference in the next three to five years. Do you think that's a big hindrance to just overall performance of people who aren't in very specific professions that they are not reviewing that they're not actually reviewing their, their performance, the way it happens. They're looking at results, aren't they? 
if if it's not being recorded, they're looking at it from their lens. Mm-hmm. From from them looking out, they're not looking at the outside looking back in. And you're making a uneducated guess of how that meeting went if you don't look at it from the other lens. Yeah. And as that meeting is happening and you're going back to seeing that recording, you're looking at it from the other person's perspective. I think there's a ton of value in that. Yeah, I do too. It is, you mentioned, right? Game, game tape, game film. In athletics, people have been using game film to study and to improve, to analyze technique of themselves for decades. That is not a new thing that's been going on as long as they were able to gather that film and then and then review it. In the contact center, we've been doing that on phone calls also for decades. We've been listening to recorded calls. Everyone knows that disclaimer when you call someone. But outside of television or radio, I can't think of very many other industries where people are actually recording their themselves performing in their role and then going back and and reviewing that maybe with a coach someone to help them identify areas of improvement or or what they're doing well quite honestly i wonder if just a theory i don't know if this is true and i don't have any data to back it up but here it goes is is customer service representatives improving at a higher increment than people that are not in customer service because they are consistently looking at game tape? Yeah. Maybe. A very interesting if, study. Yeah. And if that is the case, then how do you do more of that in sales, in operations, in HR, yeah. where you can improve your entire staff incrementally over time to improve the organization, which improves the customer experience. So I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, switch gears and, and ask a question that I think everyone anticipates or, or ask about a topic that everyone anticipates. It's on everyone's mind. Everyone's talking about it. And I'm curious what your perspective is as it relates to how AI, particularly generative AI, is getting into the CX world, where do you think in the short term its best use is? So in customer service, there's a lot of when it comes to wrap-up codes or disposition or summary notes. I think there's a pretty good use case there where you're recording that interaction. You use generative AI to write a summary or a key takeaways and next steps based off of the conversation you've had. And if that saves 30 minutes to or 30 seconds to a minute and a half per interaction, and let's say you have a thousand agents. That is quite a bit of money. Uh, I feel like you can take different use cases similar to that where that does improve the inter- interaction 
I think you could probably use it as a backbone to drive efficiencies for your knowledge base. Um, you know, when it comes to AI or chatbots or machine learning, it really all depends on how you utilize it because there's plenty of organizations that I, that I am a consumer of sometimes, uh, sometimes I make it to their website and then I decide not to be a consumer of, but because they implemented it incorrectly and it was just installed and they checked a box and they say, Hey, we now have AI. And from a consumer's perspective, it is the most frustrating thing possible. And I can't get to a representative and based off of the, the short three to five minute conversation I had with this bot and now didn't transfer me with context. And Rob answers the phone. He's like, thanks for, thanks for calling XYZ company. What's the last four year social and your mom's maiden name and street you grew up on. How can I help you? And as much as I don't want to get frustrated in that moment, I still get frustrated in the moment because it means that that, cost, that company doesn't care about me and that doesn't value my time or doesn't value me as a customer. And so I don't think it's all or nothing. I think there's plenty, there's, you need to start figuring out what is the specific use case. And if somebody actually doesn't want to talk to that generative AI, is there a way to get to that human? Mm-hmm. And if that's if that's the case, then great. Like, how do you meet them on the channel of their choice and then reduce that friction in that moment? And some people just want to talk to a human. Like, you're not going to go and a wife isn't going to reach out to an insurance company because the husband passed away and they want to talk to generative AI. They actually want to get to a human, somebody who has empathy at the highest level and just be present in the moment and not rush them off the phone and to solve their problem, sit with them. And I'm sure there's going to be bad companies after bad companies that do it wrong. And I think you need to, again, go back to the foundation of what's the use case. How do you go backwards from that? You answered my next question, which is essentially what do we not want to do? Right. Because People are going after these technologies the same way that they went after chatbots, the same way that they went after IVRs. And those can also be poorly implemented. And when they are poorly implemented, they're just awful. And we are both on the same page. Like brands have to be intentional about what they're going to do with this because the bad implementations are bad. They are really bad and they will frustrate customers. They will turn customers away. And while there are lots of interesting, exciting, and certainly valid use cases, if you do it poorly, like a million other things, it will blow up in your face. Yeah. And you honestly don't have to screw up that bad. If if you implement, if you do a semi-decent implementation, you break a handful of things, it's still a really bad customer experience mm-hmm. because it's it's broken. 
regardless of if it's 80% correct, it's, it's still 15% broken. I'm not great at math, but uh, I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> correct. It's, it's what's the old quote, 60% of the time it happens every time. Yeah. And, you know, like you just, you need to focus on, on what truly matters and um, what truly matters should be your employees first. And then how do you find ways to make those employees the best ambassadors possible for your organization to create the best experience possible for your consumers? Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, then it's going to be a win. Um, if, if identify what your mission, vision, and values are, and what are those core values that you're trying to accomplish, and don't stray from them. And if you're trying to implement a technology and they stray from the core values, or they stray from the mission, vision, and values, then don't do them. Uh, there's there's a lot of organizations that have really awesome words that are on the wall that happen to be their their mission, vision, and values, but they don't live by them and they don't align with them. And I think that the world would be better off if we did. I absolutely agree with that. I wonder, does that happen because we don't put enough focus on it? Does it happen because there are competing demands whether that's investor demands, quarterly earnings calls? Um, Does it happen because we scale up and and we lose contact with the people that really kind of laid out that vision? What do you think the biggest reason is that companies end up straying from that if they've established it at all? I think you answered your question. I think the answer is yes. Uh, the <laughs> I think organizations tend to run, they have this great vision about what they want to be when they grow up. And then they grow up and they're running at 300 miles an hour. And it's this Formula One car that's ripping around the track. And they have their horse blinders on running as fast as possible. And they're not actually looking up and out past their perspective and truly looking at uh, identifying of what matters to them and what's always mattered to them. And if you're not measured by those from a business perspective, from a bonus perspective, same with your employee experience, same with your customer experience. If you're measured on these other 10 things to get your annual bonus, you're going to focus on the customer and employee experience at 11 and 12. And there's a lot, there's a lot that can happen as you grow. And if you're not setting those foundation to those next, that next level, the next year, the next growth, the next tier of people, then they're going to, uh, then they're just kind of, that their, their rudder is not going to be as deep in, in uh, rough waters. And they're going to go back to what they've always known and hold as close to the foundation that they believe of what truth is. And sometimes that's not the case. Um, horrible analogy, but I'm going to say it anyways. There was uh, the story of these, these monkeys uh, that were in this cage. And every time that they climbed this tree, and bananas were at the very top 
And every time they climb the tree and they get close to the top, they get shocked. And one at a time, they kept trying to climb it and get shocked, kept kind of trying to climb it, get shocked. And finally, they slowly started removing one monkey at a time and adding a new monkey. And every time the new monkey tried to climb up to the bottom, top of the tree, it would, it wouldn't, uh, they would pull it down so it wouldn't get shocked. Mm. And finally, they removed all of the monkeys out of that tree, out of the place. And they had no idea why they were doing it. But every single monkey that would try to climb the tree, now new monkeys, they kept trying to grab them down and pull them down, even though they didn't know what was on the top. And I think that is true with organizations that don't have, don't consistently communicate what matters most to them and why are they in business and what do they care about and what are they aligned with and what are they measured on and why, why are they hired here? And so maybe they're just going to keep getting pulled on uh, from the middle of the tree on down because they only know what they know. Yeah. I love that. Okay. I have one last question for you, but I need to set this up. I uh, had an opportunity to speak with you long before uh, we've recorded this. And one of the things that I really appreciated was we, we talked about podcasting and you shared a lot of insight with me, which I really, really appreciate. You've interviewed so many different people and just a huge variety of walks of life, people that are doing things in CX and people that are doing things that are really nowhere near what we think of as CX. I'm curious what the most interesting or valuable lesson was that you learned by talking to someone else and, and tell me about that. So the one that comes to mind, and it, I believe that you would know who this person is uh, because you used to live there, was a guy named John O'Leary. And John O'Leary, I believe at age nine, was burnt from head to toe. He decided to play with gasoline uh, because his friends were doing it. And so he was playing with gasoline, lit a match, and blew himself up in his garage. He was burnt, he was burnt uh, third-degree burns for 99% of his body. And... Um, he had like a 1% chance to live, to live. And, uh, it was on the radio station and his daughter ended up, ended up, uh, Jack Buck, who was the, the voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, heard this from his daughter and Jack Buck's motto is what more can I do? That was his life motto is what more can I do? And he's like, you know, I want to hear the story about this boy who's bandaged all up. You can barely see his face. He looks like a mummy. He can barely survive. He's like, you know what? I can go visit this guy. So the next morning after a fundraiser, he showed up and he helped this boy. And, and uh, John O'Leary heard Jack Buck's voice. And he's like, boy, in, in, the, in the deepest Jack Buck voice, he's like, you're going to get out of here. And when you do, we're going to have a day at the ballpark, a John O'Leary day at the ballpark. And so he could have just stopped there. He could have sat that in that moment and John O'Leary would have been satisfied that one of his heroes in baseball, because he was a diehard Cardinals fan, 
showed up and said hi to him. And if he'd have survived, he would have always remembered that and told that story. But Jack Buck showed up the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. And finally he got out of the hospital and he had a John O'Leary day at the ballpark. And um, he finally realized that he didn't have any, any hands uh, because they got burnt off and he had to learn how to rewrite. And Jock Buck shot him a note in, in a letter and said, if you learn how to, here's a, here's a one baseball from the, you know, whoever it was, the, one of the big names of baseball at the St. Louis Cardinals, he goes, if you write him a thank you letter, I'll send you another one. And throughout the whole summer, they sent, he sent him 45 baseballs uh, because he kept learning how to, how to write. And uh, John O'Leary is an inspiration to me because of not just what he's been through, but who he is as a human being and the, what he's persevered through and how his mindset is, he's just on fire for life. And his mission is to love the one in front of you. And I love that. And I think we all need to maybe kind of bring it back to customer experience and employee experience. I think when a consumer is interacting with your organization, in most cases, they're bringing their whole life with them. It's not just, I have an issue with this insurance company. It's my kid got a D in science and I'm struggling in my marriage and you know whatever else life comes at you. If I were to use his, his life mission is like, how do we sit in that moment and still love on the one in front of me that happens to be my customer. And, uh, that's been, he's been like, I don't know. I've only had 45 minutes with him. I actually heard him speak in St. Louis probably 15 years ago. Uh, when I, when I lived there for a couple of years and he impacted me then. And he impacted me on my episode. And it's, it's the one that has really sat with me and there's plenty of others and we can talk for hours on that. But that was one that really stuck out to me, not just because he's from St. Louis, but because of the questions he asked. Yeah, that's fabulous. I really appreciate you sharing that. We'll make sure that there's a link to that episode in the liner notes as well. And I encourage everyone to check it out. It is one of the episodes that I have actually listened to. You have a ton of episodes and don't let him fool you folks. You could go back and start at the beginning. It's fine. Nick does a great job even when he was getting started. Nick, thanks so much for joining me on Next Thank You. Been a pleasure, man. Anytime. It's always been great. And uh, for anybody who hasn't done this already, uh, like, comment, and share this podcast. This guy's a rock star. And uh, don't let him fool you either. He's he's awesome. And keep listening and tell your friends. Well, I appreciate that. Make sure that you uh, look for the link on Facebook like my mom. That's where this whole thing came from. So thanks for the shout out, Nick. I appreciate it. You bet, man. Next in Q is brought to you by Happy To and is produced by me, Rob Dwyer. If you enjoy this podcast, please, by all means, subscribe and or rate this podcast in iTunes or your favorite podcast app. But more importantly, please tell just one person about this podcast. 
Word of mouth is the best way for people to discover new content. As always, thanks for listening.